Yeah, it's it's been crazy how fast, uh, or like how this year has felt in terms of time. And and I guess, I mean, like you say, I guess that's largely responsible uh, to us all being, you know, spending so much time indoors, at least for a big part right. of it, you know, and uh, and, right. for, and for for me and you, a lot of time on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> that, that too I, i've been trying to cut back actually ironically enough like with all this downtime i uh well because it's, it's it's weird because it's not it doesn't feel like downtime because i'm still working a lot um you know and doing a lot of this podcast stuff so it doesn't feel like downtime totally. it just feels like 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 less variety in your life because like For restaurants sure. and stuff have been shut and there's you know all sorts of events that usually happen have been have been uh have been canceled so that's like that's the most i mean for for many people maybe it's been a more productive period because you kind of just like forced to you know either you're going to waste a shitload of time and game or whatever your thing is or you're probably gonna you know focus down and and try to get some work done but um yeah weird times especially for you man i mean are you like are you near what where the craziness was originally going on in minneapolis so not uh, not really. I'm out in a suburb called Golden Valley. We're a little bit uh, west of downtown Minneapolis um, and and west of South Minneapolis. Uh, so in the suburbs, it's you know, in terms of uh, craziness around you know looting business places, things like that. Uh, we really didn't see a lot of that um, around here in my, in my neighborhood directly. Um, but yeah, it's been you know, I mean the kick like the kickoff to summer was kind of that whole uh, scenario it happened at the end of May, I believe. And then, yeah, June was, um, it was kind of all throughout summer, but yeah, heightened more in June. Yeah. It was a, it was a wild time. And, you know, we're, like how did that impact things for you, people, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. It's, uh, you know, especially coming from, well, so coming from the Bitcoin lens, actually is, it was, uh, hit on a lot in the news and and then so the the reason for everything that happened i mean fundamentally it was uh, with george floyd it was you know a counterfeit 20 dollar bill um kind of was like at, at the very epicenter of the actual issue um you know and it, from a bitcoin perspective it kind of makes you think you know uh you sit back and you're like okay well had only he had a money printer like uh, some individuals in our country do uh, to, to create money at will, maybe he would have been fine and wouldn't have need, uh, had the need to, to, you know, counterfeit or take those drastic measures. So, uh, you know, thinking about it and then leaving aside um, kind of the social justice components to it, there's a lot of complexity there, especially with, you know, different riots and what's a riot versus a protest. And we've been kind of in the middle of that turmoil uh, as a country the, the whole summer. Um, so, you know, taking a step back and looking at the root cause um, of, you know, what happened and why there's even this strife in the first place, um, I think it, it can, it boils back to the money, right? I mean, that's kind of how I viewed it. Um, that's how I've kind of taken a look at all of the narratives around socialism uh, kind of on the rise because it's popular and down with capitalism, eat capital or eat the rich, all that stuff. I try to look at it with a little bit more critical of an eye and think, okay, is what, you know, the the popular narratives around bashing capitalism, well, let's pause and, you know, what do you think capitalism is exactly? Because it's it's really not what's happening right now. What's happening right now is is socialism for, for the rich and wealthy, uh, a lot of bailouts, kind of at will, um, 
Cantillon effect and, and, and you know, full bore, all those things. How many people, I mean, are people receptive to tackling uh, recent events with that sort of, a, I mean, I agree, obviously, completely. For sure, but, for sure. But those conversations seem to be difficult to, to have these days. Definitely. Um, yeah, and, and for a variety of reasons. Because um, people have their own subjective experiences, too, and you don't want to discount that when you're really trying to make, you know, an impact with somebody uh, through conversation. Um, especially when you want it to be more civil than anything else. I mean, nobody gains anything from shouting matches and then right. yeah, it gets, whether it's, uh, you know, your water cooler conversation at work or your Thanksgiving dinner table political conversation that might arise, um, you know, it's tough to kind of take a balanced approach. So I usually try to, if the topic pops up with people, um, just steer it in the most calm direction I can and just kind of <laughs> ask the bigger questions at play that kind of, you know, overall like, Hey, so, and then you start talking about the economy. Most people like are just like, I don't want to talk about this anymore. It's boring. I'm like, well, sometimes it's the most boring stuff that over time, you know, can really have an impact on people. And I think we're starting to see that. Um, so yeah. yeah, it's, it's difficult, but it's all about how you uh, navigate the waters, I guess. Totally. And you know, you sound like you come at it from a fairly level-headed, uh, you know, approach, but it's, it's so hard because some, what you realize if you just scratch the surface a little bit in these dinner table or social conversations is like, as you said, like when you start breaking into the economics and stuff, people are like, ah, I didn't want to go into that much detail. And you're like, but mm -hmm. the nuance and the detail here <laughs> is important to understand what's Very going important. on. Uh, yeah. and, and you scratch the surface a little bit and you find that most people are just like, pretty much have purely formed their opinions on the basis of emotion and what's been said in the mainstream media, you know, and that's, right. it's, it's hard to have a, a logical discussion with people when that's their base, because that's right. not much of a base, you know? Exactly. And it's, you know, and it's, whether it's academia and, you know, I say that tongue in cheek because I, uh, you know, I, I, we can get into this in a little bit. I left my uh, position at an enterprise blockchain company back in June of, of this year um, to go and finish up my master's degree at the University of Minnesota um, with uh, an applied economics degree. Uh, the topic of my master's thesis is actually Bitcoin mining, uh, looking at geospatial hash rate, um, using really cool data out of, uh, out of the University of Cambridge. Um, and so that's been cool. But, but backing up, um, whether it's academia that's playing into the narratives or you know, what have you, it's like, I think for the average um, let's say 24 year old that is all over social media and it's kind of getting, trying to get their footing in the world career wise. Um, it's really tempting to say, eat the rich and look mm -hmm. at Jeff Bezos and say, I, I is, is swearing. Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, I just, okay. I just, um, but you know, they say, fuck that guy. And it's like, well, I get it. I get it. You know, it'd be nice to be a billionaire and I'm jealous of it too. But at the same time, <laughs> um, you have these narratives pop up where it's like, Jeff Bezos made X amount of dollars this week. And it's like, well, no, a lot of his wealth is tied up in Amazon stock. And if he were to dump stock, that would affect a lot of employees at Amazon. And there's a ripple effect. And it's, it's not like he has billions of dollars sitting in a checking account. So like before you start bashing capitalism, wanting to eat the rich, let's look at what's happening here. Um, and maybe we should be eating the federal reserve. So. <laughs> Amen, brother. I mean, how, let's look at Amazon's fucking payroll for that same period. It was probably Dude. ginormous, right? So yeah. it's not like he's just siphoning off money from the economy. I mean, and, and you I know, know. So, something came up on the radio here the other day and it was like one of the, 
the grocery store chain families, you know, billionaire, not quite on the scale of Bezos, but I think mm -hmm. they calculated that because of the, the stock price, um, his wealth had increased by like a billion five over the course of the crisis. And like, you know, the talking heads on the radio were all like, you know, this is so, so horrible. It's increasing inequality and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, you fucking idiots. Like if you would take one second to diagnose this problem, you would see that the very measures the government has been taking that you call for to try to like, you know, uh, soften the blow of this crisis on your, your, your income and your family, which, you know, fair play. Why wouldn't you ask for a handout in this case if, if you can't do anything right. about the lockdown? Um, most of that money went into financial assets so that it wouldn't be depreciated. Like right. the guy who owns the shares of the, the grocery company, he, like he had nothing to do with that at all. People right. dumped money into the stock market. And of course we had that kind of absurd or still have that absurd divergence of, you know, the stock market performance and main street, um, mm -hmm. which is just an exacerbation of what's been going on for many years, of course, but like, right. It has nothing to do. And, and, to, to his credit, probably, they've really had to like pivot and, and change certain aspects of how they offer their, their products and services to adapt to this like really crazy circumstance. And, you know, I'm sure they've had to deal with a lot of fucked up things with suppliers and, you know, price changes and seeing inflation oh, yeah. pop up and, you know, trying to mitigate it. And like, here you are shitting on them because other yeah. people decided to value that service via their stock price more during the crisis. Fuck you. Right. <laughs> right. It's, it's frustrating. And you know, a part of me always is wondered too, you know, and we saw it, we saw it even before the start of COVID, but just the ease at which you can put yourself into equities now would be a Robin hood or whatever. Um, so, you know, now all of a sudden for better or worse, uh, everybody and their mother can open up an app and buy stock in a company. So I, I, part of me really, you know, has wondered these past couple months, like, okay, say, you know, there's, there's a younger worker in the U S um, who's making $45,000 a year, um, is all about eat the rich, fuck billionaires yet, you know, they're trying to make crazy options trades on Robinhood because it's, it's so easy to do now. I'm like, Hey, wait. So if, and keep using Jeff Bezos as, as an example, like if you buy Amazon call options or even just Amazon stock, because it's easy now and everybody's doing it, the whole wall street bets subreddit goes wild. Um, well, you realize you're contributing to the very billionaire that you are going to talk shit about later. And it's just kind of like this cycle of, it's meant to distract you, right? Like what, what, look deeper, go deeper, have those tough reads. And it's boring and dry sometimes to, to learn about central banking and, and, and how everything works under the hood, but it's valuable, um, yeah. especially when you want to think about not just how much, how many, how much uh, of a return can I make investing in these Robin hood stocks and trying to, you know, catch a, catch a swing versus how do I set myself up 10 years, 20 years down the line um, and buy assets now that are really going to be worth it for me and my family. And then, and then hopefully that leads you down. Uh, uh, hopefully the Bitcoin rabbit hole. I would, <laughs> I, I would hope, I would hope. That that's yeah. Difficult. I mean, th there's just so much hypocrisy and, and emotion. I mean, it's, it's all such a farce, like none of the, none of these, uh, things that these groups are saying right now pass the sniff test. Like I said before, you scratch it for a second with, right. with any form of logic, reason, data, information, and it falls apart, you know? And, and like, mm -hmm. look, I get it. Like they have, you know, 
we've all been disenfranchised to certain degrees by this system that we're, we've been forced to live under. It's benefited a very small group of people. And like you, 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 you're, it's, it's, uh, you're right to be upset about that. But like, mm. that's, this is a tricky thing. Like getting control over your emotions is such a beneficial thing for so many things. Like you said, like maybe right. you should do the boring work of like reading these books or listening to these people or podcasts or videos or whatever. It's like, yeah, but you can't do that if you're just in a ra- in an irrational rage about things. I mean, like, right. and, and that seems to be the case with so many people now. It's like, it, it just, there, there's, and I can't, I say this way too much, but it just, it, this thing dogs me the most. It's like nothing that we do today, Federal Reserve, COVID response, economic discussions is mm-hmm. based on data, logic, and reason. None yeah. of it. Right. It's just, that's just gone out the window. Now it's just about satisfying, you know, special interest groups or, you know, minority groups or social justice causes or, um, you know, who's kicking up the biggest stink, who's protesting the most. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and none of it, again, none of it is like a, a, a calm, rational right. discourse about the merits of, well, first of all, identifying what the problem is and then the merits mm-hmm. of any potential solutions that might address it. Like that, right. ain't, that ain't happening. <laughs> Absolutely. And I think, you know, some of those, cause some of those social issues, there are, there is signal there, right. But, but the noise is drowning it out way too much. And that's, it just, it's, it's a bad situation for a lot of people. And it's kind of like a, you know, it's kind of this cycle of, you know, it's kind of being, you're inflicting it on yourself in, in most cases. Um, so that's why I appreciate, um, more, more so even the past summer, just the, the greater Bitcoin community. Um, because for me, sure. It's fun to like, you know, if, if there's a, a week with just a huge weekly candle and it's fun to, you know, watch the n- number go up. Um, but the real impactful stuff for me has been, uh, just the, the entire culture. And I, hey, I'm hesitant to say culture, uh, but around low time preference and, you know, approaching things with, with logic and reason. Um, I was at Bitblock Boom down in Dallas uh, nice. in, at the end of August. It was, it was kick-ass. I loved it. Um, Robert Breedlove gave an amazing talk, uh, you know, uh, Masters and Slaves of Money. And it's just, you know, that type of thinking, approaching the world uh, through that lens, um, number go up aside is, is really helpful. And it's, it's mindful, um, you know, and, and, yeah, I was speaking of mindfulness, one of my favorite Minneapolis Bitcoiners, Brandon Quidham, who uh, kind of helps organize our, our meetups um, that we have here. We're actually having one next Wednesday, so I'm excited to share uh, with the group about this conversation. Um, but, you know, I know he's talked about mindfulness before just in our in our talks. And then, you know, he goes up and does his Boundary Waters camping trip for like a week and cooks with fire and is just like really self-sustaining i'm like you know that there's nothing bitcoin related there that's just him doing him but he's he's one of the more vocal uh people at least in bitcoin twitter and the community and the more of those minds that are out there are being shaped by the bitcoin narrative the better i think yeah i couldn't agree agree more with that and i you know it's funny I'm, i'm starting to think now and maybe bear markets maybe allow you to to realize this more or or it's amplified more but you know, you come for number go up, but you stay for the quote unquote community and the, and the change and the, the, the Bitcoiners, like you stay for the Bitcoiners, right. you know, got, got girl or guy, like whatever your background. I mean, it just, 
And I'm, I'm not averse. Like I think calling a, a community is totally fine. It doesn't mm-hmm. imply that we all think the same or act the same. It just means, True. you know, That's we've come, point. we've come to similar conclusions about things. And as a result of being kind of on the same frequency, we like to mix it up with each other. I mean, to- it sounds, totally. sounds totally fine to me. Yeah. And <laughs> it's know? very constructive in, in most cases. And the thing that's so cool is you can just, you can kind of make your own Bitcoin rabbit hole, right? If you're a developer, go down that rabbit hole, get, you know, uh, go on GitHub and look at the repo and start uh, maybe reviewing PRs and, and if that's your jam. Um, but if you're a Parker Lewis type who just wants to eviscerate the Fed in <laughs> long essay format, do that. Like that's your thing. Um, if you are really into remittance payments and want to you know, help the global South and you see some, some crazy things happening in other countries in regards to capital controls, I mean, make that your rabbit hole and go down, go down that road. So it, it's so much more than just, uh, you know, typing in BTC in the Yahoo finance and see, seeing what's up. Uh, it's so much more than that. And that's what I, I'm trying to tell people, whether it's family members or peers or coworkers. Um, and it, it's just really hard to encapsulate in like a, you know, two minute elevator pitch, but trying to get there. Yeah. Uh, aren't we all, but you know, I, I, I spoke with some uh, 2020 noobs uh, last night. Right. Okay. So people that just come into the space this year and we were having a similar conversation. And, and, you know, what we said was what people I think are starting to realize, certainly Bitcoiners, is like it's sometimes it seems like we're just mixing it up on Twitter while we wait for price action. You know, and it's just right. kind of fun and whatever. But what's really happening is this is an economy that's developing. Yeah. And, you know, if we really are going to a hyper Bitcoinized world, then at that time, Every, you know, everyone and everything will be transacted in Bitcoin or, or a layer thereof. Right. Uh, right now, it's just the infancy of that. It doesn't change yeah. it in nature. Like this is really is an economy. And that's why, like what you just said, and I always, uh, you know, I always support people doing this is like, whatever your thing is, I'm sure it can be related to Bitcoin in some way, shape or form. Yeah. You know, like you can bring your talents or your enthusiasm or your your fuck ups or or whatever, you know, and we're, we're, we're starting to see that. And I'm not saying like I know a lot, most people want to hodl. So it means like there's not a great velocity of money within this economy. But whether, right. you know, you, you can gain support from this economy, you can you know, you can make mm-hmm. connections from this economy, you can join teams like it's it's festering, you know. Totally. And um, it may not be, you may not be able to jump ship right now, like from, you know, what sustains you in the, in the normal world to the, to the Bitcoin economy. But mm-hmm. it's certainly, I think there's a lot of uh, interest in just having all sorts of people come into this thing and contribute in, in a way that's genuine and valuable. And, and like from totally. what we see right now, you know, we've got lots of little small businesses and projects and, and some bigger ones popping up. And if they, if they go about it with the right intention and the right approach, they get so much fucking love and support. It's amazing. Oh, totally. I mean, shout out BTC pay server. That's yeah. like one of the coolest projects out there. Um, and you know, I mean, and it's, it changes your behavior too. And that's been said ad nauseum, whether it's on your podcast or Stefan or um, tales from the crypt or, Peter McCormick, every, like the whole content space is great, but it changes your behavior. It's made me almost surgical with my savings. Now I'm like, you, know, you start thinking about things differently. Um, and, you know, to your point, we're, we're kind of at the, the commencement of everything, right? This is, this is, I think the beginning of something super, super cool. And, you know, you forget how easily things can, can become normalized um, that might sound crazy. And whether that's the Bitcoin price, you know, you, you talk about a $100,000 Bitcoin price to somebody, they're like, Yo, what the fuck are you talking about? I'm like, okay, 
first of all, when it was trading down to like $300, you talk to somebody then and say it's going to be worth 10K one day, they'd say you're crazy. Um, you, you, ju you juxtapose that with what's happening in the world today. I mean, last year, Andrew Yang was all about UBI. That was deemed crazy. What, what did we get as a result? Of course, an uh, interesting circumstance in the U.S., but, you know, we got Trump bucks. We got our, our, our money in the, just in the mail. Um, so that, you know, went from being a crazy idea to being normalized very quickly. Um, the idea of wearing masks uh, in indoor spaces um, kind of was like, if you would have said that in January or February, people would have been like, oh, that's a little weird, got normalized very quickly. So, you know, I don't think Bitcoin's any different. Um, and if it's, it, yeah, I, I just think that it could be a very interesting time. And it's really cool to be kind of at the the commencement of it all. I think it's, uh, it's awesome. So that uh, that's it, the entire community in that respect is amazing yeah it's it's incredible to be here right now i mean you know if we're if we're all at all right about all this it's going to be so so funny to look back and and re-listen to some of these conversations and just uh, reflect on on being kind of around at the inception of this thing i mean it's really amazing and and what you just said and this kind of idea of the bitcoin economy drawing people in and the community and and as you say like people come in and they begin to their perspective begins to change and i know not everyone adopts like a nature loving meat eating <laughs> you know blue whatever 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 right. lifestyle but a lot of people are starting to kind of you know mm -hmm. shift their perspective to whatever the motivations behind those changes were having similar motivations yeah. whether they manifest in in slightly or grossly different ways um but people are coming in and they're starting to, to notice these changes and then lean into these changes and then realize like, oh, these are good fucking changes. Like, oh, I, yeah. I, I feel yeah. really good about this. I'm feeling stronger. I'm feeling more independent. I'm feeling more ambitious, more hopeful, more et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, and, and like a, a freedom to express more freely. I feel less cancelable. Like all, and we're just mm. scratching. It's just the tip of the iceberg, but we're starting to feel all this. And this is, you know, I can't, not that I want to wish my time away, but I can't wait to see what like 2024 having time, what we're all like, you know, totally, like totally. I, I just think we're going to be that much freer, that much stronger, that much more independent, that much mm -hmm. more educated, that much more connected with each other, like all this stuff. Right. And all of that is so good in my opinion. And so I think there's a possibility that those people that we were referencing before who are approaching the problems of today's uh, world in perhaps the you know uh, ill-advised way mm -hmm. i think you know greed and, and number go up will bring in a lot of people as it did in 2017 <laughs> for sure but i think for a, an, like another pretty big group of people they're just gonna see like this growing you know quote-unquote community or economy of people mm -hmm. and be like that seems really cool. Like those people are, right. you know, and if you can get past the obvious facade or veneer of toxicity on Twitter, like, right, you know, right. that's almost laughable to me that people think that's real. But anyways, if you can get past that, <laughs> right. then, then you see this, this community of like just people that are probably going to support you and help you and that you can contribute to. Yeah. Uh, and like a lot of people are, are never going to have had that before. Right. You know, and, and it's, it's that it's constructive. Like you're not burning yeah. th shit down. You're actually building shit. So I think that will bring in some people too. And hopefully totally. as that economy and community gets bigger, it's just going to suck in more and more people. See, and I, I think that that's a really good point because I think it's that type of community and support. If you can look past, you know, what's on the surface and maybe the, the narratives at play about the, you know, the toxicity, if you can get past that and start looking at the community and finding that support, finding your niche, whatever it might be, as it pertains 
tangentially to Bitcoin. That I think is what helps create the strong hands, right? Because you get, like you said, a lot of people come in for number go up and greed, right? A lot of people leave for number go down and fear. Right. Um, but I think the seasoned people in the space that have found, you know, the, you know, whether it's low time preference that inspires you to become more healthy in your day-to-day lifestyle because you want to see your kids grow older or be there in 2045 when Bitcoin is at whatever price or whatever. Um, those sorts of side benefits of being interested in personal sovereignty, strong property rights, um, having an asset that's truly yours. I think those little fringe benefits over time really help harden hands. So you know, the more of that that we can get going, the better. So that's why, you know, this this retail cycle, this upcoming uh, Davy Day Trader is going to probably bring in a wave of people. I know Pomp just like recorded with him today, I think. Um, there's going to be some weak hands in that crew, but let's 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 take them in and be like, all right, idiots, here's what's up. <laughs> here's, here's, what you, here's what you have to start thinking about now. It's not about uh, weekly gains. It's about like, it's, it's fuck you money. Uh, and right. I think that, that, you know, that whole concept, I think really, um, excites people personally because it's, 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 you know, provocative, right. But yeah. what does it truly mean? Well, it means, uh, that it's yours and it's, you know, not controlled by the state and you don't have to, you know, capital one's not going to call you and say, did you make this purchase? <laughs> like, yeah, I It's my money. You know, um, that's, that's the coolest thing about it all. I think. Yeah, I think that's the type of branding that resonates with most people. Like if you go down the whole decentralized, open, global, immutable, oh, like, be like, bro, I don't give a fuck. But if you're like, <laughs> you know, fuck you, like you said, it's provocative, it's it's uh, enticing, you know, who who doesn't want to be able to say in some capacity or domain, fuck you, like, I'm right. doing my own shit. <laughs> it's my money, I'm going to do what I want with it, you know, like, um you know, and, and, and that's kind of why I've, I've thought like, okay, cause, cause you're right. Kind of what you're talking about before. There's a lot of hodlers of course, but um, at the end of the day, you know, money is whether it's my kids spend it one day or my grandkids spend it one day, it's going to be spent. That's kind of what keeps, keeps the economy, um, the, the circular economy going. Um, but if I'm spending Bitcoin, whatever vendor I'm talking to, whether it's a seller of a car I want one day or, or something, it's, it's going to be, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to pay you in UTXOs and I'm demanding like a 15% discount because this is premium. Uh, this is premium money, right? It's right. premium collateral. It's a premium reserve asset, which we've had all that excitement about recently. Um, so, you know, there, I'm, I'm attaching a premium to it when, <laughs> whenever I do part with it, um, which I might not even do who, who knows. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be amazing to see all that, uh, all that play out, you know, and I agree. I mean, I, I think uh, that's how I will approach it when it comes time to spend it as mm-hmm. well. But, you know, last point on this is like a lot of people came to uh, Bitcoin in 2017 because of the big run. And then, you know, I've spoken to a ton of people who came in then and just hung around, you know, they, they got enough of an exposure to, you know, th- what was at that time comparatively limited content uh, but they got enough, they, something hooked them and they stuck around and then they went down the rabbit hole. Like now, mm-hmm. if, if we do go on another big run, um, or even if we don't, it just like, just the nature of there still being interest in Bitcoin, 
And now with so many resources out there, like if you even step foot in Bitcoin Twitter, like showing any oh, yeah. interest, you could have like three followers and be like, what's Bitcoin about? And like 500 people are going to get at you with like, you know, right. here's the resources. This is what you need to know. Da, 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 da. Uh, and then of course there's like podcasts, books, there's amazing authors and writers and, and videos and how to tutorials. And so like, if you just, I just feel like the next time people are drawn in, by you know a big momentous price move and the and the kind of mainstream attention that that garners you know i think a lot more will stay than even stayed in 2017 because it, it, it there's so much more educational resources out there and of course it's been another era of legitimization through right you know your your micro strategies and you know mm -hmm. real vision and you know people serious quote unquote serious people uh talking about this stuff Oh, I mean, it's come a long way from, you know, buying you weed on the Silk Road to now being <laughs> being uh, in a publicly traded company's, you know, treasury. I mean, you know, it's it's matured. It's kind of that, uh, you know, yeah, it's it's and the, like you said, we've come a long way from just shilling Vijay Boyapati's article, <laughs> uh, which is still great, by the way, don't still get me great. wrong. Yeah. But and that still is like top tier content. But, uh, but yeah, in the minute somebody in the public sphere sphere or, or really anyone tweets or mentions bitcoin they they're in for free educational content just being tossed their way i love it um you mentioned that you you're doing your is it your thesis master's thesis mm -hmm. uh, yes. on uh geospatial mining yeah so like just a uh, geospatial hash rate basically meaning um just where in the world is hash rate coming from um we kind of know right we have this these theories about china um it contributing majority of the hash rate um but hopefully we'd like to see that that number go down um over time and get a little bit more decentralized in terms of where significant amounts of mining are happening throughout the world um to that point i think uh everything that steve barber and and um, marty bent are doing in the u.s and canada with um you know take making use of kind of this excess energy and this methane that's that's coming from uh, natural gas and, and harnessing that i think is super cool and i think it's very underrated i'm so bullish on that yeah whole man concept. i i did a pod with the two of them at, together last week and it should be out tomorrow and uh, nice. i'm super bullish on that stuff too it's really cool it's it's incredible it, it's like that is that is kind of like at the core of what i'm doing uh, why i'm doing the paper so there was um a student in the applied economics program at the university of minnesota uh, two years ago, who did a, I believe it was a PhD thesis. Uh, he is now teaching down, uh, I think it's the University of Arizona, I think. Um, and his his PhD thesis was, uh, it's called Crypto Damages. And it, it looks at the, um, the emissions, I guess, pollution numbers, uh, whether it's CO2 or fine particulate matter or whatever uh, that gets put into the air as a result of cryptocurrency mining. So we looked at Ethereum, Bitcoin, and Litecoin. And um, there was a lot of, you know, in reading the literature, uh, my major thesis advisor also advised him. So I got, was put in contact with him and um, awesome guy. He just seems looking at 2017 numbers. Um, and there's a lot of assumptions made in that paper that I think uh, need to be addressed and fixed. Um, and so I kind of thought, okay, let me try to find really as accurate as I can novel data sets about mining um, and electricity consumption. Um, and then let's let's try to look at the energy mix of what's going on here. Because it's not all coal-powered mining. Like, that's just not the reality. We have mm -hmm. hydropower and, and 
in China, depending on your type of the year, and in Sichuan province. Um, and then, you know, com conversely, in, in Xinjiang, you have coal-powered mining. So it's like, there's a mix, but it's important to recognize that because that's going to contribute to whatever you're analyzing for CO2 output. Um, so, you know, it's kind of, I, I am intending to take a little bit of that FUD away while at the same time, hoping to get a clearer look at as much as we can, um, as where mining is happening in the world, uh, to what degree, and then can we see some season, seasonal shifts in, in whether it's rainy season, there maybe there's more hydropower in play, um, interesting things like that. And you can go down rabbit holes within that as to, as to what to look at. Yeah. And so when is this, when's this going to be done? Uh, <laughs> that is the question. Uh, so I, so yeah, I, I left the company I was at June 1st and then I was like, great, I'm going to dive into this paper and it's going to be awesome. Ended up uh, spending a lot of time at my family's cabin in Northern Wisconsin and having bonfires and fishing and just like, <laughs> you know, foraging for, for morale mushrooms and getting my mind right. And just kind of like taking that, that mindfulness, um, to heart really and putting myself in a good mental state. Um, but did gather a lot of data and then trying to synthesize it as best I can. So my goal is to uh, defend my thesis and complete the degree uh, before December of this year. So it'd be fall 2020 academic semester. I'm hoping to have that done. And really it's, it's for the credential. I mean, it's for the master's degree. Sure. Um, professionally, I've been a product manager at, at a startup. Um, I just joined a healthcare startup uh, to be a, a uh, customer experience manager. That's I love working in small teams. Um, so professionally, I, I found an area where I can make an income and you know do cool things. Um, Interest-wise, though, and credibility in the space, because I'd really like to start writing long-form essays on different things. Um, I think the degree uh, I already took out a loan for it, so fuck it. <laughs> like, <laughs> might, might as well finish it up. Might be uh, forgiven. It, it was, there you go. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, yeah, I should just go take out a loan for PhD, put it all in Bitcoin. 100 <laughs> fucking percent, dude. <laughs> do it. I've, if I've if I could, maybe I should fucking enroll back in the university again just to do that. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, so so hopefully um, by December at the latest um, of 2020, that'll be out. Would love to share it on Twitter right now. My pinned tweet is like a thread that talks about my the beginning of my analysis. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's really cool stuff. But um, at the end of the day, there's just so much you can do on it too. That's like one. That's like one little corner of everything cool that's going on in mining. Yeah. Um, but you know, it we, might well be a piece of the larger conversation. Yeah, hundred percent. That'd be that'd be awesome. You know, you mentioned Marty and Steve and um, what Great American Mining and Upstream Data, what they're doing. And I, I this is going to be a bit of a stretch because energy and mining and Bitcoin mining was like one of the foundational pillars of what Bitcoin is all about. But mm -hmm. it did, it did, when you said it, it did make me think of, you know, what we were talking about 10 minutes ago with the economy and people just saying like, Steve comes from the oil and gas industry. Right. And he mm -hmm. was a Bitcoiner and he, I'm sure in his mind, you know, he was, the, he, he was probably thinking like, is there a synthesis here? Like, is there a bridge yeah. that I can bring my unique talents and experience um, to Bitcoin, you know, to contribute in some way? And Bob's your uncle, like a eureka moment. And you're like, wait a sec, you know, and then the idea is born. And like I said, I mean, that one's a bit more of a layup, not to say that it was obvious, but, you know, energy and Bitcoin mining and Bitcoin are, are already, you know, pretty totally. established industries. But I think that's going to keep happening because as we know, 
Bitcoin, uh, Bitcoin's gravity pulls on so many goddamn things that, you know, right. you may find that your fill in the blank business experience in some far off industry actually can be, you know, can be applied to Bitcoin in some way or Bitcoin can be applied to it to enhance it or improve it or to scale it or, you know, who the hell knows. Totally. Yeah. So I think we'll, we'll see more of that. What, uh, what was this enterprise, enterprise blockchain experience you referred to earlier? Yeah. So, um, and when I did you, when did you shift from being a, a, a blockchainer <laughs> to a Bitcoiner, I guess? Oh man. Yeah. The classic like repenting moment. I'm glad so many <laughs> people are coming out and doing this. Uh, so I graduated from the university of Minnesota, my undergrad in, uh, December of 2016. Um, and, was very interested in uh, studying applied economics. My kind of niche area was development economics. So looking at poor countries, finding out you know, why are they poor? Is it a result of policy or maybe some type of colonial legacy that's making these countries poor? Um, did a study abroad in South Africa, you know, was very kind of global in what I wanted to do. Thought I wanted to go like PhD route. That's why I went and got my master's or I'm getting my master's. Um, in that process, I it was kind of like then 2017, and of course it was the buzz around uh, the bull market, you know, kind of the crypto bull market really at that time. And I was like, oh, this stuff is so cool. At that point, had no idea about like the 21 million hard cap, or the, the the cool things that made Bitcoin what it is. I literally just saw a number go up. I'm like, oh, this is really interesting stuff. Blockchain, super cool. What can blockchain do? it can like solve voting and all these this crazy bullshit. I was like, oh, okay, well, I want to go for my master's degree. It'd be kind of cool to like work for a blockchain company. So I was like looking at what's in Minneapolis. Um, there was a company founded out of Minneapolis called uh, BankU, uh, B-A-N-Q-U, and awesome team, by the way. I don't, I don't want to knock the team at all. Um, just didn't end up aligning with, with my visions. But what BankU does is uh, they use an Ethereum binary. So they, they're on Ethereum. Um, it's not, there's no crypto component to it. So it is a private blockchain, um, a private permission to blockchain, which at that point, you really don't need a blockchain at all, in my opinion. Um, but what they do, and it's really cool work, um, they work with some of the world's poorest individuals um, and connect them to the larger institutions that benefit from their labor. So a good example would be uh, Anheuser-Busch has barley farmers in Uganda, which we got to work with. And um, what we did for them was, you know, we gave them a line of sight into who their farmers are. So there's a mama farmer, she comes to sell her barley. Uh, you know, we want to log that in the blockchain, give that mama farmer an SMS confirmation of, hey, you sold this amount of barley for this amount of Ugandan shillings. Um, now she has a digital a copy of that transaction that she can then hopefully leverage and use to borrow against future cash flow. She all of a sudden becomes somebody that's attached attached to Anheuser-Busch's supply chain. Um, that was kind of the underlying theory is like, let's, let's help connect these uh, really disadvantaged people to the formal banking sector um, by, by connecting them to brands or if they're refugees, um, these like refugee nonprofits, NGOs as best we can to like legitimize their existence basically financially. If that makes sense. And that's kind of like a lot of words. Yeah, I get it. I get it. Yeah. And it was a cool company. Really, really awesome. I mean, the CEO is, he does God's work, man. He really cares about these people. 
um, gave me incredible experiences like a young guy out of school as to how to work for a software company, blockchain stuff aside, you know, how to talk to a development team, how to, you know, translate what our developers are saying into something that our business development team can go sell, you know, that it, it was really, really cool. It made me a pretty well-rounded person for the workforce. Um, but I did have my kind of, you know, come to religion moment as I'm like looking at all this and like, do we really need a, a blockchain for this? And then I, I, this is like 2019 March Bitcoin is like really low in price. I think it almost hit, it dipped into like the three, it was like 3,900. I'm like, this might be a good time to like, you know, just buckle up and like kind of go into Bitcoin more than I had been at that point and um, decided to make that bet. And of course, it's pretty, pretty common that once you do that, now you're incentivized to learn about it as much as you can. And that's when I really started to, like, I have a framed copy of the white paper, like hanging up on my wall. Right now. <laughs> uh, that's nice. when I started to do like, read the white paper you know, read whatever, you know, Nick Carter's long articles he was putting out, Vijay Boyapati's um, uh, seminal article, all, all these things, listening to Tales from the Crypt, trying to get like, you know, into it. I'm like, what is this? This is crazy. This is really cool. And the more that I got sucked into that, the more I was just treating my, my job as like, we're a software company. That's cool. The blockchain stuff, in my opinion, is bullshit. Um, and then it was really during quarantine of this year, I kind of thought, you know what? For a number of reasons, I'm just going to go get my mind right. Hopefully, you know, contribute to Bitcoin more than I have in the past, whether it's submitting a PR to BTC Pay or something like that. Uh, um, I just want to immerse myself in that a little bit more. Mm -hmm. That's really cool, man. And again, you know, speaks to how people become so motivated to contribute in some way, you know, totally. and whatever, you know, whatever their capacity is. But, um, Right. So 2019, <clears throat> March. And is the c company that you were working for, is that still a going concern? The um, enterprise blockchain uh, place? Thank you. Like, is it a going concern now or? Yeah. Are they still around? Yo, there's, yeah, they're, they're still around. I mean, I had a, a beer a couple weeks ago with my old coworker. I mean, they're, they're doing what they can. Um, you know, startup grinds are tough, right? You got to go out and sell and, uh, it's a SaaS company. So SaaS pricing is difficult to work out. I mean, they really appro approach it from, I mean, they're a software as a service company. They just so happen to use uh, Ethereum instead of like NoSQL and Postgres or something. Mm. Um, so, you know, I, I think they've taken a lot of blockchain out of the marketing materials and stuff. It just is not as in vogue anymore. Right. Um, but the work they're doing is super incredible. And I got to go to really cool countries to implement this stuff. I was like in India and Colombia and Peru and it was, oh, it was wild. It was that's super sick. Cool. That is cool. Oh, it was great. I was, oh man. Yeah. Sorry not to cut you off. No, I was just going to say, what was, what were some of your favorite places? Oh dude. Well, Colombia is beautiful. We got to go, we were in Bogota um, and then we got to go to the Caribbean coast. So Cartagena, Barranquilla. Uh, Did you go up on, on the old, the old for, uh, fort in, in Cartagena and like go up on the bar on the wall and have a drink up there, watch the sunset sort of thing? We've, I watched the sunset. We drove around it. There's like cannons sticking out. Yeah, no, we, uh, we, I did not go up there for a drink though. I would have loved to. I was with our CEO the whole time. I'm like most of these trips, very like, brass tacks let's get down to business and help these people who were here to help which i appreciated yeah um but man one time we were on i was on this train from delhi uh india to a 
border city called Ganganagar, which is on almost near the Pakistan border. <laughs> this was wild. We took it like this 12 hour train and I, I had Wi-Fi. I think we had a hotspot with us and I was like trying to do some like feature testing on my laptop on this train in the middle of nowhere, India. I'm like, this is crazy. I feel like I'm James Bond. <laughs> this, that, like, this is awesome. Um, so that, that was cool. Yeah. Crazy experiences. But, but then, you know, we were in Delhi, we didn't go to the Taj Mahal or anything. We were there to help people, um, help farmers, help, you know, help these people who really are brilliant and some of the hardest working people in the world and they don't get enough credit. So, yeah, you know, it's, I, those people that have that level of compassion and are motivated to act on it, to try to help people in, in more challenging situations than themselves. Like I have the utmost respect for those people. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But it's, it's, or there's no, but I have the utmost respect for them. How, in addition to that, um, what I'm so it would be, I wonder if they all kind of understood what Bitcoin represented. If mm -hmm. that, if all of that kind of motivation would be channeled into establishing Bitcoin rather than, because like, I feel like with the ills of the, with the problems of the world, if you don't fix the source, you're just playing whack-a-mole with where the problems emerge, right? You fix one, totally. one place, another one emerges, you fix one here, another one emerges there. And like, if we fix this fundamental mechanism that is the money, then, mm -hmm those people in those disparate far off places that are having a really hard time, they, they, they gain access. Well, they, they get freedom, right. And then they get self-determination. So, you know, how do they want to bring their, their uh, labor or their products and services to the market? And right. because, you know, and the, their labor and their products and services are no longer siloed in their local markets. They're, they access a global market. And totally. I know this, is, this has been said so many times, but I wonder if, you know, people that are that motivated to help those people that are, um, you know, struggling in the world, if they realize the kind of how much leverage uh, Bitcoin represented, if they would just be like, well, you know, let's go all in on this because right. that will just you know, Bitcoin fixes this, right? Like that will allow those people to determine for themselves what kind of life they want. Like, I don't want to bring modern Western living standards to, you know, some village in Kenya. If, if they don't right. want it, what I want them to be yeah. able to do is live precisely the life that they choose to live. Not one which they're under the thumb of an authoritarian <laughs> regime, not one right. which they're, they're stolen from because of the nature of their money. I want them to be, to live and exchange and, and, mm -hmm. and, and bestow value and receive value in accord with, you know, what they want. Totally. I mean, we, I want them to have fuck you money for all intents and purposes, <laughs> yeah, right? Exactly. And so, you know, it, go to the buying site for that where all these farmers deliver crops and where they get paid and set up a lightning node. And then, you know, you give them a lightning wall and you introduce it to them that way. There's so many cool things that can be done with Bitcoin in those areas that I yeah. think, um, man, I mean, talking it through, I think it's, it's we're, we're on the precipice of it. I think it's going to happen. Yeah, I, I do too. Um, what else did I have for you? You were mentioning um, your thesis and enterprise. And where did you say you were working now? I'm working at a, yeah, it's a, well, so I say healthcare startup. Um, it's kind of like more related to the, the HR component of, of healthcare. And, and I might have some coworkers that are like watching this live because I was excited to come on. So I told them about it. I like get into a new organization and just start shilling Bitcoin. It's great. <laughs> 
<laughs> the team is amazing and like you know the uh katrina is the ceo of, of of the company is called clinician nexus um and katrina uh anderson is the ceo a brilliant woman also located here in minneapolis and she was like super into it she was like she, bitcoin uh i told her like yeah that's kind of like i have passion projects in this space i i run a btc pay server i'm a third-party host and i'm trying to work all that out and she was like tell me more about Bitcoin. And I like loved like the interest of She's like people, because I'm a tech CEO, people think I like might know these things. And I just, I, I want to know more about it. I'm like, oh, this is perfect. <laughs> um, but the company is really cool. They, uh, they help match. Um, so healthcare students, whether you're an MD, a student, a DO, a PA, a nurse practitioner, um, they match students up with clinical rotations at hospitals. They kind of create a marketplace for that. So cool. it's no longer like I'm a med, med school student. I need to do my clinical rotation somewhere in order to graduate. And I need to bring like, you know, paper applications or I need to fax in my application to some hospital. I can kind of do it all online on this one platform. It's super cool. So I'm, I'm excited to help the team. Nice, nice. Dude, when you mentioned that uh, the CEO asked for more information, it just made me giggle a bit because anytime that's happened to me, you know, because most people, or a lot of people you encounter, there's probably not that much interest. And there's, we're mm-hmm. so passionate about it that we want to express it. But, you know, when it does happen, like when, when you mention it, someone goes, oh, really? You know, tell me more. Like in my mind, I'm just like, stay calm, stay calm, stay calm. They said they, <laughs> they, said they want more. Okay, we, all right. Chill, I, chill, <laughs> little by little. <laughs> yeah, in the back of my mind, I'm like, invite me to your board meeting. I will convince you guys to, <laughs> to, to, to put some cash reserves in it. Like, you know, that's what I was thinking. But I was like, okay, uh, well, and I started play giving cool, a cool. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, What's uh what's exciting you the most these days, you know, in Bitcoin and what's going on? Um, man, so that's I mean that's a tough question. Uh, obviously it's uh you know, the news of MicroStrategy has been really really awesome. Um, more of just it's awesome, but it's also obvious. Like I can't wait for the day where this stuff happens, and it's kind of just like, uh, duh, <laughs> of yeah. course they do that, you know. It, it shouldn't be as big of news it is as it is, but also at the same time, it should be big news. And I'm upset that larger outlets are not covering it to the degree that they should be. Um, That's our opportunity, so, you know, for the people, exactly. for the outlets in the space. I mean, not that there's a tremendous amount of like great news outlets in the space, but there's an opportunity, right? For, for, for to be for covering sure. this stuff. Totally. Uh, so that, that's obviously been exciting. Um, the more technical stuff, like uh, discrete log contracts, uh, talking to, um, are talking to listening to uh, Ben Carmen talk about that at shared bits. That's been like really interesting. Technical improvements uh, are always exciting. They're just like less, it's less flashy. I can't text my dad and say, Hey, taproot, you know, <laughs> um, he's going to be like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> but I can text him and say, Hey, micro strategy, put it on their treasures, you know, on their balance sheet. This is kind of cool. Mm. So my interests kind of span a lot of, uh, different areas of Bitcoin. I think uh, at the end of the day, what's making me more excited about it is kind of the normalization um, of it. I mean, and it's been like this for a while, but I, every time it happens, it's kind of cool. Um, when I bring up Bitcoin in, you know, with new coworkers that I've you know, never met before or um, talk to my sister, or fr- my sister's friends or my brother's friends, when you mention Bitcoin, it's no longer like, 
what is Bitcoin? It's like, it's a household name. People know about it. And that's what I think is cool. Um, it kind of, it's like, sure, there's a long way to go before, you know, you get people to think about it the way you want them to think about it. Um, but it's cool that it's, you know, no longer so foreign. You're so yeah. close to opening up Cash App and, and buying some and learning about it way closer than they've ever been before. So we can keep moving that needle a little bit. Um, I think a new normal is, is a lot closer than people think for sure. Yeah. Being the Bitcoin guy is not so weird anymore. You know, no, it's not. You're, yeah, not getting, so I, you're not getting made fun of as much anymore. And a couple of years from now, being right. a Bitcoin guy, you're going to be like, look, I got an opening in four weeks time. I can schedule you in if you want to talk about Bitcoin, <laughs> but you know, I'm busy. <laughs> exactly. No, you summed it up. Basically being the Bitcoin guy is what I'm excited about. It's easier now. It's yeah. easier now. Um, and more people are like, you know, they don't look at you like, do you buy drugs on the Silk Road? Now they look at you like, oh, that's really interesting. Either you're a technologist or you're into finance or both and, and tell me more. Yeah. Um, it's not as scary anymore. So that's cool. And kind of on that same, uh, same vein, you mentioned that you, uh, when you, you kind of fully took the orange pill in March of this year or started learning more about it. And I, it's an ongoing process, I'm sure. But, um, mm -hmm. and then you spent a bunch of time out, you know, in the wilderness and kind of getting your head right and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Um, obviously, you know, this is another common at attribute that we touched on before, but in being perceived as like like we just said that being the bitcoin guy is not as weird anymore have you have other aspects of of your life uh, like ma materially changed outwardly so that people that you're interacting with like can see you having changed since earlier this year when you you know really started digging in oh that's a really good question and that you know uh, it's tough for me to answer being me um i'd like to say yeah most people would say i'm like way more fit now <laughs> um and way you know just approach life from just a, a better perspective um you know i don't know that's a very good question i'm not sure if i'd be able to even answer that you might have to get my my roommates on the horn for that one or my brother or something um i would say maybe in the form of um being prudent with finances or that kind of surgical savings behavior before mm -hmm. um because you know getting a job out of school and working at a startup suite and then you know you want to go like drop money on stuff but now it's kind of like fine i'll only get doordash if i can buy it through fold and like get bitcoin back at the same time <laughs> like so otherwise i'm fasting <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, no shit. That's seriously it. I was like, otherwise I'm just gonna, you know, not eat till three, but <laughs> it's not for diet purposes. I just really want to like buy Bitcoin this week. Um, so yeah, I'd say savings behavior and then um, just general conversations now. I feel like I'm more in tune with a lot of interesting things that are happening from a macro perspective. Um, being interested in e economics, you know, that all that stuff was, was not really lost on me. I was kind of that boring type of behavior when I was even an undergrad in school. Um, but now I think I approach it more from like a critical lens instead of being in awe of, I mean, Minneapolis Federal Reserve and Neil Kashkari are right down the road. Um, used to kind of think of them as like, you know, that they're God and whatever they say goes. And now I'm like, you know what, that's all like, ugh, let's really look at this um, and, and dig deeper. Um, so and I try to bring that up in, in conversations with people. Um, right. So maybe from that, from that outside view, yeah, I kind of talk about interesting stuff more often. And if, uh, internally, has it, how much, I'm sure it has to some degree, how much has it impact your, impacted your worldview or your perspective on other things? Like, 
you know, we touched on kind of diet and lifestyle before, but on politics, on philosophy, on the future, on ambition, on, you know, like how has it, you know, again, we talk about this orange pill and its many effects, Mm -hmm. you know, um, you've obviously talked about impact on spending behavior, but, you know, has it changed your perspective in, in other ways, just kind of how you look out at the world? Yeah, um, I think in a, uh, I guess, is there something on my screen? Am I blurry or something? No, I'm blurry. So I'm trying to fix, I'm trying to refocus my camera. You can go, you can go ahead. Okay. Nobody can see me when you're talking. Um, oh, good boy. Well, that, that makes me feel better. I'm like so nervous to listen back to this. Like I hate the sound of my voice. On, uh, on Every, audio. Everybody does, dude. Don't worry about it. If the crypto voices host is just like, he's got that deep voice. Like, oh, I wish I had that. Um, no. So, so internally though, um, you know, to this point, actually, there's a, there's a, a gentleman in our Minneapolis Bitcoiners meetup. His name is Mark. I don't know his last name, which is probably bad. I could check like our Telegram group, um, but he has a really interesting Medium post. Um, Mark uh, Stefani? He's a, Stefani? Possibly. He's a, yeah. a doc, he's a physician. Yeah, yeah. Has he been on here before? Yeah, yeah. I talked to him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's great. So he had that Medium post about you know and kind of intertwined you know health with with Bitcoin and kind of what does a low time preference mean in the context of your body and, and, and what you do now impacts you down the road. Um, so internally, I've definitely taken more of that into perspective too. So whether it's trying to hit 30 miles a week uh, running, uh, in addition to, you know, working out and making sure that I, you do that when you don't want to do that. That's when, that, that's when it matters. That's when you're building your brain instead of your body. Um, exactly. And doing those activities with the end goal of, you know, I'm, I'm 25 right now. I'll dox my age. I'm, I'm 25 right now. Uh, I don't want this. This is the kind of like the, the physical peak is kind of like the narrative. Right? Like, well, I'm not 25 anymore. Well, I mean, I want to be at my physical peak when I'm 35, when I'm 45. Like it's a, it should be, you should be excited to want to get to those, you know, to me, that's 35 shit. That's 10 years I have to run and hopefully complete a marathon and, you know, build my body up in a way that's this is 35 yeah. right here, baby. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> you know, um, like there's so many steaks I want to eat between now and 35. It's ridiculous. Um, so did that low time preference thinking and in, in, as it relates to your health, um, and you know, I don't have children, um, yet, but one day when I do, you know, I want to be the fit fun dad. I want to be there for them and provide for, for my children, you know, some, Sometimes I look at my UTXO set, I'm like, this isn't big enough because you know, what happens when I have four kids one day? Um, so, and maybe not four, but you know, it's just that type of thinking, it, you know, Bitcoin has kind of led me down this, um, you know, why, why splurge on stuff today and why uh, do things that you might, either you know, you're going to regret. Um, it just doesn't, whether it's eating or being lazy or, you know, not tackling an opportunity. Um, you know, I think what Jocko Willink, Willink says it best when he goes, you know, be aggressive by default, everything you do, you know, put, put a hundred percent effort into it. And knowing that maybe down the road, um, the fruits of all of our labor intellectually and savings wise and nutrition wise could pay off in a really big way. And most likely will, uh, that's been, that's been a huge thing for me just kind of thinking about in the background. I love that. Do you, you know, I, I asked this to so many people cause I'm genuinely curious I get the time preference piece, right? And I get mm-hmm. that you're holding an asset that you 
believe will uh, appreciate, you know, significantly. And as a result, you know, you accept the, the time preference trade-offs, let's say, in order to preserve that asset. Yeah. But have you reflected um, on why it is, or, you know, maybe just put more words on it if you're able to, why that scenario seems to very um, consistently imbue in, in people like you, you mentioned that you want to have, you know, kids, you know, you mm-hmm. want to have a, a, a decent stable of kids, whether it's four or three, you know, you want to have a, 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 <laughs> right, a good a, right. a family, right. And you want to be there and strong uh, for them and capable of engaging with them in, in whatever way they may want. And that, you know, so that you guys can, mm-hmm. you know, live a great, happy, you know, strong family life. Right. And I know some people um, are more, feel that way more by default. Um, but I think in our era and our generation, it's definitely less so. Like when I was, oh, yeah. when I, when I was growing up, like very few of, and I lived abroad for a long time and I guess being an expat kind of you self-select for not wanting like the settle down thing. Cause naturally you, you left your home country and you traveled and whatever you're in a foreign land, but mm-hmm. you know, pe- pe- that wasn't high up on the priority list. It was, you know, career and money and, you know, racking up experiences and travel and all of which <clears throat> have a place of course, but it seems to be that whatever there's something about this thing that we call Bitcoin that is inspiring these sort of motivations uh, in a lot of different people, which are just like strong, healthy individuals Mm. and families. Like, is it just the time preference piece or is there something else going on that you've identified? You know, time preference um, also kind of, I, I think a feeling of, greater sovereignty and exercisable sovereignty over your life, you know, cause you could say like, I have a big savings account in us dollars. Like I'm, I'm sovereign quote unquote, whatever that's supposed to mean. But it's like, well, no, you don't, it, it, that ties into the whole owning your own fuck you money, owning your own assets, being responsible for going out and getting, you know, you need to, you got a stack or else it's not going to happen. Um, so I think sovereignty ties into it. Um, if you're a sovereign individual, I think I, I think that that might lead somebody down that path of like, okay, if I'm a sovereign individual and you go down this, this, you can kind of think about it as like, I guess biologically too, is kind of this innate desire to spread your genes and, and that, that whole thing, I guess you could tackle it that, uh, that be, way. For but that, you could just fuck anything and have a bunch that, of kids, you know? That's true. <laughs> that is true. You know, I actually, okay, so you're just totally right. I don't know where I was going with that. I think one of the underrated aspects um, of the Bitcoin community is you're around a lot of people for some reason or other, and I think this is maybe where your true question lies, that are very family oriented. Um, and that's kind of rubbed off on me and made me kind of think like that. An example would be at BitBlock Boom. Um, I was talking to a, a fellow Minneapolis Bitcoiner and then American HODL was there. We were leaving uh, just after the rabbit hole recap live session. We were about to go to the bars and we just were kind of shooting the shit. It was us three. and. Um, my my friend, I don't know if he wants me to say his name is anonymous on Twitter, but he, him and uh, American Hoddle were talking about being dads and like, it sounded so cool. Like American Hoddle was like, you know, I really can't wait to go home and see my daughters, you know, like to them, daddy's been gone two days, but because they're little time dilation, I've been gone for a while and they're excited to see me. He's like, I'm excited to see them. I miss them. He's like, you know, my two-year-old like attacks the day with just her full energy every day. And it's awesome and inspiring. And 
And then, you know, my, my, my buddy started talking about his, his son, who was just, he said, he's just like him when he was younger. Um, and they, they were talking about being parents. I'm like, God damn, like that is cool. You know, I'm not, not there yet. I still like to have fun and I live with roommates and, and, you know, suburb Minneapolis. I have a lot of things I still want to do before I get to that point. But seeing people, well, we share an interest in Bitcoin for sure. Um, but because they they were talking about it so strongly and, and, you know, in terms of setting an example for their kids and, you know, wanting to go hang out with them because they miss them. That was like, it was really appealing to me. Yeah. Make parenting great again. Um, for sure, for sure. You know, and, and I love on Twitter, Hoddle, you know, goes so hard in the paint in, in the dad shaming. And I love it because <laughs> he does, I, he does. Because I, yeah, I, I think he, like I don't have kids yet myself either, but it's definitely in the plans. I've, I've been very mobile the last decade of my life. But um, but it's I, I think that's a great thing that people are find are being more inspired for that. And I think you touched on it like it's got to have something to do with just <clears throat> feeling the strength of the primary foundation, which is right. like your, that which allows you to survive, which is like money, right? So that, yep. that allows everything else to happen. If that's rock solid, then I mm. think you just naturally, and you mentioned whether it's like kind of a, through the perspective or philosophy of sovereignty, and obviously the time preference piece and the opportunity cost of the present and the future. And like maybe all together, it just makes you want to stack solid, you know, foundation over solid foundation. So, okay, I got my right. money is solid as fuck. All right. I want to make sure my health is on point so that I'm, you know, I, if I have the maximum optionality with my money, cause it's so solid, right. It can't be mm. censored. It can be transferred. I can take it with me, et cetera, et cetera. I want the maximum like kind of solid and the highest degree of optionality with my body. I want to be healthy. Right. I want to be able to adapt to circumstances. I want to be able to play with, you know, whomever. Okay. And then I want, you know, the strongest family possible. You know, I want yeah. like, you know, a wife I love, kids that I, I have enough time uh, and to, to give attention to them and to really foster, you know, who they are and who they can become. And maybe it's like, I know we're missing something there because this yeah. is a phenomenon I think we'll only really get clarity on in hindsight, but it's something, right. something around those things where you're just, you know, you're, you're stacking this super strong foundation of, of optionality one on top of the other. And I think it becomes almost addicting because as you, as you stack them, you're like, wow, this is a tremendous feeling of joy, of freedom of, you know, right. Whatever the fuck else. That's true. And you know, it's, it's a, it's a morbid thing to think about, but you know, everybody passes away and everybody dies and you kind of think like being immortal would be cool. What's the, what's the best way that we can become immortal now and getting cosmic a little bit as Marty Bent would say, but it's the best way you can become immortal is if, you know, you do something in your life worth um, that's worth sharing and handing down to others and teaching others, you know, a hundred, 200 years from now. And, you know, if, if you have children to kind of, you know, if you stack those solid foundation after solid foundation, I think that is the beginnings of a legacy that can then be spread by, by children that you have. So I think maybe there's kind of an innate desire to, to have children and have them uh, help preserve your legacy and make you quote unquote immortal in that respect, if that yeah. makes sense at all. It totally makes sense. And just to piggyback on that and to continue being cosmic, I think that, you know, in our lives, we have many different objectives, right? Roof over our head, you know, maybe some career objectives, family, et cetera. But like one of them, at least for me, is... Uh, kind of this perpetual never-ending pursuit of understanding myself better 
um, mm-hmm. and, and understanding how I should exist in the world, you know, and you keep refining and you do it through all sorts of different experiences. Um, but what, like the, the, the more you do that, I feel like the more, uh, well, if you're doing it correctly and if you, you'll make st- mistakes along the way, but punchline is, I think the more you do that, the more you come to a re- more refined understanding of the kind of truth of who you are. And True, I think some sure. of them, some of them are universal like for everyone. And some of them might be more individual to specifically, you know, the manifestation that is you as an individual. Mm-hmm. But I think, um, you know, imbuing that passing along, like you were saying, passing along that kind of accrued wisdom over the course of your life, maybe not even for like, you know, quote unquote legacy, like I hope they remember me well, but just mm-hmm. as almost a service to, you know, the people you love and maybe even broader humanity to say like, you know, I'm imbuing in my offspring and to some degree, everyone who I interact with, but the, the, the wisdom that I've accrued through my experiences and through my contemplation and through my life into these people. And so that, right. that wisdom can be expressed once again through them. And, you know, may, maybe we think we, maybe we do that because we think it's worthwhile to do so. Maybe that's a, a good thing to do. I know what I'm going to be thinking about tonight. It's <laughs> going to be like <laughs> swirling my mind. I'm like, wow, man, that, this is worthy of a whole like, you know, essay for sure. Um, and, and don't get me wrong. I mean, it's, it's different, different people's lifestyles and stuff, you know, I mean, the, I can tell you that the, the single childless Bitcoin or Citadel is going to party way harder than the family ones. So. Totally. And we'll follow the vacation there every now and then, right? Exactly. Le- yeah. Leave the kids at home, get a babysitter and fucking go to the party Citadel for a few days. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, but so, it, you know, and there's different tastes and different styles for everyone. It's just, um, it is interesting to see that shared value kind of emerge um, out of the communities, you know, right alongside um whether it's the way people in the space typically uh, diet or a places emphasize emphasis on physical fitness and health. And then like, there's the family component, which is an interesting thing to see creep up, but it's certainly there. So yeah. tackling that and, and kind of recognizing that more and trying to dig deeper is something I'm going to be really keen in, in doing these next uh, couple of weeks. Totally. And I, and I think it's going to be an unavoidable unfolding process throughout, you know, all of our, well, from here forward, right? Mm-hmm. That's what, like I said earlier. I mean, who are we going to be in 2024 having? You know, it's going totally. to be su- such a funny, you know, I'm sure the having party is going to be awesome in 2024, hopefully. But uh, right, right. We're, I, I feel like we're all going to be, you know, reasonably different from the way we are today. Totally, totally. And, you know, it'd be cool. And, you know, how 20 years or so, if my son or daughter could be like, damn, my dad was a fucking baller <laughs> he was ahead of the curve here oh, this dude. is crazy cool. we're, we're, we're already fucking legends forever if, if we're right if we're right about this our kids are gonna think we're the coolest shit ever that we I know. we were the ones that saw this early right so there's that little selfish part of me that's like i just want to be a cool as shit dad like you know be like the the absolute shit like yeah of course i was there in those days thinking about all this crazy stuff I'm totally with you, man. That's not beyond me at all. I got, I, I have a nice little ego that I like to get stroked every now and then, and I have no damn problem with it. <laughs> hey, don't we all? Don't we all? Though, I mean, that's you know, it's part of. That's one of the cooler things about life is you can do that. I mean, I'm, I'm not ashamed of it. Yeah, me neither. Um, well, man, this has been a, a super fun conversation. Uh, before we close it down, do you have anything else you wanted to bring up or discuss or direct people or anything else to say? 
Um, yeah, I mean, first of all, thanks for for having me on um, this Bitcoiners in the Wild segment. Super cool. Um, I like would love to to go on more podcasts just to talk to the hosts. I mean, I got to meet Marty and Matt in uh, in Dallas, and they're cool dudes. I actually uh, mixed the sound intro for their for Tales from the Crypt. So that oh, like, really? intro they have, yeah, I mixed the it up one, on the one like where it's you know excerpts from news clips of. Yeah, it's the CNBC clip. I cut it up and put it to uh, Tales from the Crypt music in like February and sent it to him. I'm like, yeah, I should use this, you know. Sick. Um, nice so they're and they're. Nice I know. They, thank you. It was so cool. They actually used it. So I got to talk to them in Dallas. Um, but it's cool to actually jump on a, on a podcast and talk to one of the you know awesome content creators in the space that I've been following uh, for a while. So really, you know, thanks to you. Um, if people want to follow me, I guess, you know, it makes me put some pressure on to actually start putting out cooler content, whether it's about uh, the degree, the uh, mining research stuff, um, or, you know, I really have been thinking more and more about getting into writing some essays on cool topics. Um, so if, if people want to follow me, I'm on Twitter at, uh, at clockwork under dash prior. Um, that Re- origin of that handle. <laughs> that's a, like a whole other podcast. <laughs> um <laughs> Yeah. So in short, um, I like to think of it as uh, I continue to try as best as best I can to update my priors like clockwork, you know, don't have an opinion and set it in stone. Uh, Always think, you know, there's nuance to everything and there's continually continuously added nuance. You should always kind of go back to the things you think and and readjust them from time to time. Very interesting. Very cool. Well, dude, (laughs) um, yeah, like I said, it's been super fun. I uh, can't wait till we get the chance to do this again, either another Zoom call or hopefully in person in the not too distant future. But yeah, yeah good absolutely. good luck uh, finishing up the master's program and uh, be well. We'll talk. We'll talk soon. Thanks, man. I really appreciate you having me on. Have a good one. All right, brother. Take care. All right. See you. You as well.